have a Bible with you today, find the book of Philippians. Philippians, and we're going to be in chapter number three. Philippians chapter three. Uh, This morning, we're starting a brand new message series that we have titled it, When My World Falls Apart. When My World Falls Apart. And let me set this series up this way with a whole bunch of good news. Uh, There will come a time in your life when you face something extremely heavy. There will come a time in your life when somebody that you love dearly dies. There there will come a time in your life when someone that you love is diagnosed with cancer. Uh, There will come a time in your life when there's an accident of some sort that leaves you just feeling completely helpless. It's not a matter of if, it is a matter of when. In fact, most of us in this place have already faced some of this stuff. Uh, And some of us are in a season right now where you are in the middle of this, where something in your family, something in your body, something in somebody that you love is happening and you are in the, like life is heavy for you and for the people that you love. And the question we're asking is very simply, how are we going to respond when our world falls apart? And here's why this matters. It matters because I believe that most American Christians have a very messed up understanding of the Bible when it comes to the topic of what we're just going to call suffering. And when I'm using the word suffering, it's kind of this catch-all for the difficult situations and circumstances that we face. Most Most American Christians do not have a biblical understanding of suffering in this world, and that matters a lot because the truth of the matter is there are people who used to sit in a lot of the seats of our church who are no longer here. And they're no longer in any church. They didn't go to a different church. They're no longer here. And the reason they're no longer here is because they no longer believe that God is good. And in the midst of some massive thing that happened in their life, their faith fell through the cracks. And we've seen this over and over and over. Their world fell apart and their understanding of God fell apart with it. The good news is that the Bible talks an awful lot about suffering. Again and again, over and over. The bad news is, it doesn't always say the things that we want to hear about it. And at one point, Jesus even tells his disciples, he's like, if you want to be my follower, you will suffer in this world. Like, you are not uh, just going to suffer because people you love pass away, but you are going to suffer because you are my followers. And we read in history, 11 of the 12 disciples of Jesus died. They were murdered because of their faith. The only one who didn't was John. And John lived uh, his best life into his 80s and whatever else they say, but he had been extradited and sent off to this island because they tried to kill him multiple times and he survived. The next few weeks, I'm not going to stand up here and tell you that you're going to get through this. I've done that before, or at least get through this in the way that you think that you should, because the reality is you may not in this world. I'm not going to promise you that God is going to change your situations and fix everything in the way that he should, but there is a biblical understanding of suffering in this world that sets us up for success when it comes. Okay, so here's the outline for our series. This is going to be actually five weeks. Go ahead and put that next slide up for me. Uh, Part one 
And this is going to kind of sandwich around Easter. We're going to have the first couple, and then we're going to have Easter Sunday, and then we're going to go again back into this. Uh, part one is, we're calling it to know Christ. Part two, to strengthen my faith. Part three, everything does not happen for a reason. Some of you, are, your mind is going to be blown. Uh, part four, God works all things for the good. Part five, bad news and good news. The bad news is you will suffer in this world. The good news is there is something much better coming for those who sincerely follow Christ. That is our plan, okay? Uh, but listen, if your understanding of suffering isn't based on the Bible, you will be tempted to become bitter when things fall apart. But if your understanding of suffering is based on the Word of God, then suffering now becomes an opportunity uh, for you to experience God in a different way. Okay, let's get to week number one, to know Christ. I want to ask you to please stand with me all over this place. And we're going to start by reading uh, by reading a passage of scripture together. This is Philippians chapter three. Philippians chapter three, we're starting in verse number four. Here's what it says. It says this, though I myself have reasons for such confidence, if someone else thinks they have reasons to put confidence in the flesh, I have more. Circumcised on the eighth day of the people of Israel, of the tribe of Benjamin, a Hebrew of Hebrews, in regard to the law, a Pharisee, as for zeal, persecuting the church, as for righteousness based on the law, faultless. But whatever were gains to me, I now consider loss for the sake of Christ. What is more, I consider everything a loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord, for whose sake I have lost all things. I consider them garbage that I may gain Christ and be found in him, not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law, but that which is through faith in Christ. He is the righteousness that comes from God on the basis of faith. Now here we go, verse 10. I want to know Christ. Yes, to know the power of his resurrection and participation in his sufferings, becoming like him in his death, and so somehow attaining to the righteous, to the resurrection from the dead. Let's pray. God, I pray right now that you would calm my heart and that you would move in this place, that your very word would come through in such a beautiful and powerful way. We need you move challenge us, change us. Oh God, we give this to you and it's in your name we pray. Amen, amen. All right, give somebody a high five and have a seat. All right, it was just a month ago now we were talking about uh, all sorts of people around the world facing persecution uh, and, and we, we were looking at what does this mean for us as Christians who don't face any of this stuff and all this. Some of those things that we talked about may find their ways into a few of the points and things uh, as well. But if I were to sum up the biblical theology of suffering in a single phrase like the Bible, if you take the Bible and suffering in one phrase, here's how I would do it. Write this down if you're taking notes. Suffering is good when God is your goal. And for some of us, you're like, that's messed up. And, and some of you go immediately to some of the stuff that have gone on in your life, and you're saying, how in the world could that ever be good? And I understand, and, and, and you may be able to poke holes in some of that phrase, and, and, and I, I, I get that. But as a whole, if you'd sum up what the Bible said, suffering is actually a good thing, 
when God is your goal. And as we look at this topic in the Bible, we're going to see things like rejoice in your sufferings. You're going to see phrases like that come up multiple times. Consider it pure joy when you face trials. Uh, And here's where things get messy for us as American Christians, because for the most part, American Christians, we view every bit of pain through a lens of that's negative. Every bit of pain that we experience through a negative lens, pain equals bad. But understand, even in the medical world, pain is not always a bad thing. It is at some points, but it's not always. In fact, sometimes pain can be a very good thing because pain can be the way that your body is telling you that something isn't right. Do you understand what I'm saying here? If you've got something going on in your body that needs to be addressed, your body says pain, and now you're like, I got to fix something here. And even in the health world, as you're you're trying to get healthy and do stuff like that, pain isn't always bad. When you lift weights and you work out like that, or when some of you lift weights, okay, uh, when you lift weights, what happens is the, the muscles begin to tear in little tiny places all over the place. And you actually gain strength when they heal stronger than they were. Did you know that? You're like, you made that up. I might have. It's okay. You don't know any better. So here we go. All right? But physical strength and growth actually comes from healing out of pain. Wow, that's kind of crazy. Uh, In fact, you've heard this phrase, and Kelly Clarkson made it into a song, what doesn't kill you makes you stronger. Have you heard that phrase? Okay, but there's a second part of this that she did. She left out of the, the song. And the second part, like what doesn't kill you makes you stronger, but also what doesn't kill you can also make you bitter. And it's almost like which way are we going to go? I say all of that to just bring this back to this statement we're going to really see in, in, in some way in this study over and over. Suffering is good when God is your goal. Many, many people in the Bible suffered massively, uh, but no one talked about it more than this man named the Apostle Paul, and, and maybe it's because he suffered more than, than mo- most people. Paul authored at least 13 books in the New Testament, which is a part, the part of the Bible that comes after the life of Jesus when the new Christian church was spreading. And, but understand something for me. When we are talking about these first century Christians, and we're talking about the time when the Bible was written, we are, we're talking about a different time in history. Life expectancy in the Bible was like in the 30s and 40s of how soon people would die. And if your family went through the entire life without losing a child giving birth, you were rare. So understand the context here in history a little bit. People died of treatable sicknesses every single day. They just did not understand or have the means to figure that stuff out. They also lived in the middle of the Roman Empire. Uh, Public execution on their streets was a common thing. War, destruction, famine, death. This was life. And all of this to just set up what we're going to talk about the next few weeks. The people of the Bible like suffered in ways that, that often we here just have no understanding 
of, and I don't say that to downplay anything that you are going through or anything you may face, but just understand the context here. The passage of scripture we read, now we're getting for our topic today, the passage of scripture we read comes from a book of the Bible called Philippians. Philippians is a letter that was written by the Apostle Paul. It's actually called one of his prison letters. And that just simply means he wrote that letter while he was in prison. Paul is in prison because he has been traveling through the Roman Empire. uh, And he's been going around saying, Caesar ain't Lord, y'all. Jesus is Lord. And they don't like that in the Roman Empire. And so he is going to be locked up multiple times. And eventually, Paul is going to be executed because of all of this stuff. Uh, But so he writes this letter while he's in prison to a group 500 miles away. It ends up in their hands, and we have it in our Bible today. And in chapter 3, which is about halfway through the letter, Paul begins to, one by one, kind of sort of go through all of these accolades about himself. And if you're reading it, you can almost be like, why is this guy bragging until he turns the corner here in a few verses? He does all this to make a point. Let me show you this. Verse four, he says, though I myself have reasons for such confidence, and he's referring to something he just talked about, if someone else thinks they have reasons to put confidence in the flesh, I have more. And then he says, I was circumcised on the eighth day of the people of Israel, of the tribe of Benjamin, a Hebrew of Hebrews, in regard to the law, a Pharisee, as as for zeal, persecuting the church, as for righteousness based on the law, faultless. He's talking about this incredible Jewish heritage that he has, uh, which mattered very much in this time. He's talking about his learning, his schooling. Paul knew multiple languages. Uh, He was incredibly intellectual, a brilliant mind. We see this come up in all of his writings. But basically, he's like saying, I'm from the ultimate bloodline. The Hebrew of Hebrew, like the Harvard of the Jewish culture is where I went. I know multiple languages, highest religious elite class. In fact, I was so passionate about God that I persecuted people who were against it. Uh, Like, no one was as amazing at all of this as I was, is what he says. But then he transitions, and then he just says this. He says, whatever were gains to me, I now consider loss for the sake of Christ. What is more, I consider everything a loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord, for whose sake I have lost all things. I consider them garbage that I may gain Christ. I don't really give a rip about any of that stuff that I just read, mentioned, is what he says. Like, I don't care how much of the Jewish law I knew or how fairest whatever I was, all the languages I knew in my bloodline, all of that stuff is garbage, is what he says. And some of you have heard me talk about this verse before because the original Greek is kind of funny. He wrote this in Greek, and we have a translation of it. We've got it translated as garbage, but the original Greek is much closer to the word dung, is what it is. And so like a literal translation, he's like, all this stuff, I like, I consider all of that pretty much poop compared to now. Like, that's really what he wrote. Okay, that's in the Bible. They softened it up for us and said garbage on it. But I love that. Compared to knowing Christ. And then we come to the climax. And this is where we were, we're going with this. And this is setting something us up, setting us up for where we're going in this series, really. Uh, verse 10, he says, I want to know Christ. Yes, yet to, yes, to know the power of his resurrection. 
and participation in his suffering, becoming like him in his death. And, and in this section of scripture, Paul more than once has used the word, I want to know Christ. Uh, I consider it all garbage compared to knowing Christ is what he says. And then verse number 10, I want to know Christ. Knowing Christ seems to be intertwined with all this stuff that was important and is now garbage. And knowing Christ seems to be intertwined in some way with suffering is what we have here. I want to know Christ, to know the power of his resurrection and participation in his sufferings. Now, there's two different ways that you could read that line. Uh, You could read it uh, as Paul wants three different things. I want to know Christ. I want to know the power of his resurrection. And number three, I want to participate in his sufferings. You could read it that way. But there's another way that you can read this. And this is what I believe Paul is saying, and this is what many scholars, as I was reading this, were pointing out, uh, is that I believe, and many people believe, that the second and third part of this are both connected to the first. Let me explain. Like, I read it that, like, there are two sides to knowing Christ here, or two ways that knowing Christ happens, knowing Christ through knowing the power of his resurrection and knowing Christ through participation in his sufferings. Now, let me unpack that for you a little bit. Uh, I think we like the first one, and we understand that a little bit. Uh, Knowing Christ through the power of his resurrection, what does that mean? it's, It's as we begin to understand more and more and more what he has done for us, what he has accomplished what his love and his grace and his power and his resurrection has means in our life, when we begin to know that more and more and more, then we actually begin to know Christ more and more and more. Jesus died and he rose and there's freedom and forgiveness and mercy and grace and it's the gospel message and okay, we like that stuff. That's beauty and it's true and it is absolutely incredible. And you can know Christ more and more as you experience the power of his resurrection in your life. It's incredible. And this fits perfectly into our American theology, doesn't it? But this second one, we know Christ through participation in his sufferings. Or let me just say it this way, and I believe this to be true. There's a part of Christ that you and I simply cannot know without suffering. Now, some of us don't know what to do with that. Some of us aren't sure about that. Like, there's a part of Christ that you and I cannot, cannot know and understand without experiencing hardship and difficulty. And now, as we say that, when we begin to read Paul say things like, rejoice in your sufferings, And, you know, rejoice when you face trials. Things begin to unpack themselves a little bit. If Paul believes that there are parts of this, pieces of this relationship with God and with Jesus that can only truly come through the difficult things that we go through, then suffering for him becomes good. Suffering becomes a good thing when Jesus is the goal. Suffering is good. And now I want to know him in the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his sufferings. Listen, the goal of being a Christian is not just if I put Jesus into my life, then my life becomes better. 
and my ethics maybe begin to change and my morals begin to change and I make better decisions. My life gets better if I just add Jesus to the good that's already here and it'll make my life even better. Understand the goal for the apostle Paul in all of this is to know Christ, to know him, to know him deeper and deeper. And then everything else in his life begins to flow out of that. He begins to overflow with this deep down mission to bring the gospel throughout the entire Roman empire, his missionary journeys, all of that stuff. It flows out of this deep desire to know Jesus. I want to know you, Jesus. And and when that becomes his goal, his life overflows with everything else with all of the good. For Paul, Jesus is not the goal that leads him to other goals. Jesus is the goal. And the the question that I would just leave us with very simply as we start a long study and a long conversation about this topic of suffering in this world, the question is, is that your goal? Is your goal in all of this to know Jesus in a deeper way? Or is this just some little piece and part of what you do in your life? Because that right there will answer the question of how you respond when your world falls apart. Because if this is just a churchy thing that you do as an American to put in your time or to, you know, and you believe in God, you know, and you like singing the songs and, and all of this, and so you come and enjoy this or whatever else. But if that's all this is for you, when your world falls apart, You are at a scary place because instead of your life becoming better through that, your life could actually become bitter and you can be an empty seat and Jesus has gone away as you have faced suffering. But if your goal, if your goal in this stuff is to know Jesus more and more and more and to experience him and to that that your life would overflow out of this beautiful relationship that you have with him deep down, then suffering in this world can be a very good thing as, as Jesus is your goal and it can lead to all sorts of better stuff. If your goal is to know Christ and you understand that one of the major ways of this happening is through suffering, then that changes things. And it changes how you pray, by the way. When our world falls apart, don't miss this. Some of you are going to be like, this, I, I don't know about this. When our world falls apart, our first prayer should not be, God, this is happening. I need you to do something miraculous and change it. I need you to heal this. It's, it's okay to pray that prayer, by the way. That's a Bible prayer, and we believe God does, does miraculous. But in my understanding of the Bible, that should be your second prayer. Because I believe your first prayer should be, God, help me to know you better because of this. And by the way, please take it away. Please heal it. Please do a miracle in my life. But God, my ultimate thought in this is I want to know you better. Now, this is, this is deep. This is hard. This is so out there. This is so against the way we think of American stuff. This is the mindset that we read again and again in the Apostle Paul a man who suffered greatly for God in this world. You find out you have cancer in your body and you say, God, use this to bring me closer to you. And then you say, God, please heal me. Use this 
to bring me closer to you. And this will change your life. It'll, it'll change your relationship with God. Now, if, if you didn't know this about the Apostle Paul, the guy who's writing all this stuff, he has a pretty crazy list of horrible experiences in his life. Paul suffered greatly in this world. Paul was hungry at times. Paul was homeless at times. We have a story in the Bible of Paul being bitten by a poisonous snake. What does that mean? He's put on trial again and again. He is shipwrecked at one point. His ship like crashes into and falls apart and he finds himself stranded on this island. Paul is in prison multiple times. He's betrayed by his friends. Other than that, he had a pretty easy life. But again and again, you read his story of the, the world, his world falls apart over and over and over again. Let me read you one of the events from Paul's life. The guy who wrote this stuff, this is Acts chapter 14, says, Then some Jews came from Antioch and Iconium and won the crowd over. They stoned Paul and dragged him outside the city, thinking he was dead. But after the disciples had gathered around him, he got up and went back into the city. Let me explain that right there is two verses and six lines in my Bible, but there's so much to what just happened here. A mob of people drag Paul out of the city. They take these massive rocks as heavy as they could pick up and they begin to throw them down on his head. This is how they executed people. A few chapters before, a man named Stephen was killed in this same exact way uh, by people who, who were persecuting. They take these massive rocks and they crush them down on this person's head, everyone in a row, one after another. Can you imagine? This isn't them throwing marbles at him. This is them trying to kill him. Oftentimes they would push them over like this little cliff area and they would stand above him 10 or 12 feet and they would go boom and throw these rocks down on top of him to the point where they think Paul is dead. Paul is unconscious. Paul is bloodied. He's beaten. He's, he is at the point of dead. And uh, the, then they leave because they think he's dead. The disciples gather around him. And some people, some scholars believe that they prayed for him and Paul came back to life. We don't have that in the Bible, but that's what some say. Or maybe he just gained consciousness. We don't really know how that worked. All we know is he just stands up and walks back into the city that he just left. It's crazy. Unbelievable. This is the man who from prison writes, it doesn't matter who I am. It doesn't matter what I've been through. It doesn't matter how good I was, how much I know. That's all garbage. The only thing that matters for me is knowing Christ. And I know Christ as I know the, the power of his resurrection. And I know Christ as I participate in his sufferings. Music team, will you please come? Let me kind of put a bow on this thing and set us up for next week. <clears throat> This all sounds good, but I fully understand that when you are in the middle of pain and that when you are in the middle of suffering, it's hard to think about stuff like this. I, I have had the privilege of walking with people through some very difficult seasons in their life again and again, and, and I'm just telling you, people respond in massively different ways. It's emotional, it's painful. You're often dealing with children and families and different things and it makes things more complicated. You don't always have answers. It's waiting sometimes as you have diagnosis and it's messy or whatever. Like 
uh, not how is this going to turn out. It's roller coaster of emotions. You have good days and you have bad days. And some of us in this place, like you are still dealing with the after effects of something that happened in your life years and years ago. As somebody that you love passed away, as something happened to you, and you've carried that with you uh, over and over and over again, and it still impacts you today. Listen, God, God hasn't created you to carry that stuff around. And I'm not saying, and I'm telling you to forget someone who passed away, that's not what this is. But if your life never moves to a God, use this for your glory, and God, I wanna know you better because of this, then this stuff just becomes a never-ending cycle of destruction. We're attempting to build a foundation in our lives, a foundation not built by our culture, a foundation not just built on what we feel, but a foundation truly built on the Word of God. And part one, as we start this conversation, is just learning and understanding that it is through suffering that sometimes our we can know God in the deepest ways possible. I have friend after friend after friend who have went through some of the most horrendous things Cancer in, their, cancer in their body for a decade. Even people who have passed away, but in that process, they, they express again and again, I have never known Jesus like I know him now. And people would say, cancer was the best thing that ever happened to me. And you say, what are you talking about? Cancer changed my life for the better as I now experience God in ways that I have never understood. What doesn't kill you can make you much stronger and you can know Jesus in a deeper way if we go in and say, God, use this. I wanna know you through the midst of my sufferings. I pray, God, for every person in this place. I pray that we would begin to understand suffering through a little bit of a different lens. I pray, God, that when things happen in our lives and we go through difficult whatevers, God, I pray that our first prayer and the way we would posture our heart would be just simply, God, I want to know you more. God, we believe that you do miracles and we believe that you heal people and we believe in supernatural stuff. God, we don't always understand why and how and when and all of those. We leave that in your hand, God. But teach us, teach us to view our valleys as an opportunity to walk close with you. Change our mindset in some of this as we understand that we can know you better through some of our darkest things. Lord, we love you. We need you. We pray for all of that. And God, I pray right now for someone in this place who maybe has never responded to the message of Jesus. God, I pray that in this moment right here, they would reach out to you. They would, they would make that happen, oh God. In fact, if you're in this place today and you have never responded to what Jesus did for you, he died so that you could be free and forgiven. And the scripture says, if you put your trust in him, you can be saved. And in this moment right here, you can just say, God, I need you. God, I believe 
that you died for me. Forgive me of my sins. Change my life, God. I give you my life. You can do that even in this moment right here. God, I pray for someone behind a screen today who is watching this. Let something from your word, let something from your Holy Spirit speak and move in someone who needs that. We love you. We need you. We worship you today. And we give all of this to you, Lord, in the powerful, life-changing name of Jesus. And everybody said, amen, amen. amen.